Parks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing tea tests, carb-blocking teas helping diabetics avoid blood sugar spikes, and how unconventional food mashups found success in 2021. Enjoy the show! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, food industry journalist and webinar moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid, Sarah Hand, and Mira Nabulsi. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about unconventional food mashups and how they sort of navigated their way into uh, successful outcomes this past year. So we've seen things like macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream, uh, a McDonald's burger featuring Spam and crushed Oreos. Uh, Now, these are some of the more unconventional ones um, that can be found in all sorts of different food establishments like grocery stores and fast food chains, but they tend to be, you know, limited time offerings. So in this piece, I sort of explore how they uh, exploded in popularity this last year. But first, we have to define what food mashups are. So they refer to ordinary foods that are combined to create unusual pairings. They often combine sweet and savory foods or other flavor profiles that wouldn't normally pair well together. But other times, uh, you could have two popular foods of the same flavor profile that are brought together to form a long-awaited mashup. And the example that I gave was Panera's um, very recently uh, introduced a grilled mac and cheese sandwich that combines two of the chain's most popular food menu items. So their mac and cheese and their grilled cheese. So food mashups are often called food makeovers or food hybrids, and they're just culinary mashups that tend to be part of a larger marketing effort um, by brands that are engaging in partnerships. And the main point is to gain consumer attention. So part of the allure of these marketing tactics stems from the fact that they're usually limited edition. And because of this, they tend to sell out quickly and it creates an exclusivity factor among consumers. But some food mashups are here to stay. So food collaborations, I kind of dubbed them a subcategory of food mashups. They happen when food brands form a partnership to innovate existing products or come together and create new products. Um, And a recent example saw Hershey and Danone collaborate to create international delight Reese's iced coffee. And I grew up drinking this with my dad, not not this new one, but they're incredible. And I'll tell you, they're not coffee at all. It's just flavored cream and it is delicious. <laughs> uh, but notably, these food mashups, um, some of them aren't limited edition. And the ones that aren't tend to be a lot tamer um, and less eye-catching and less less of a shock factor. Um, But sometimes they become so desirable that a new food item is actually born out of a collaboration. And again, the example that I gave was um, the Cronut. So um, this was created in 2013 and a bakery owner um, created a pastry out of dough that was similar to a croissant and then flavored with um, cream inside. And it can now be found in bakeries and restaurants um, as a dessert item throughout the world. 
So this year, food mashups emerged as one of Innova Market Insights' top 10 flavor trends as, uh, uh, for 2021. And as the world entered yeah, another year of the COVID-19 pandemic, consumers continued seeking out food that sort of broadened the dimensions of, of indulgence. And these mashups do tend to be pretty indulgent. So one in three consumers globally um, agreed that interesting slash exotic combinations influence their flavor choices in food and beverages. But one thing I'd like to point out is that these are not foods that consumers eat on a daily basis. They are indulgences. Uh, they're eye-catching. They're shocking. And they're something that people would want to try maybe once or twice and then sort of say, ooh, that was a lot. Let's move on to some. Let's move on to some fruit and vegetables. So, um, food companies definitely took these findings to heart, and they began experimenting and collaborating to create never-before-seen food mashups. And many of the mashups combined two uh, existing products from the same brand. We saw Nestle's Lasagna Mac that combined Stouffer's macaroni and cheese uh, with their lasagna. And then on the other, on the, on the sweet side, we saw Kellogg's release mashups cereal flavor, which combined Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops. So easy, but they just did it. Like it, it seems so so simple, but it gained a lot of attention for for that reason. Um, and then other times we see two brands come together to create an entirely new product or flavor. So Krispy Kreme and PepsiCo, for example, formed a partnership to create limited edition Smart Food Original Glazed Donut flavored popcorn, which sounds incredible. It's probably like caramel corn, but with the flavor of a glazed donut. Then we had Campbell's Soup. Uh, Soup's Goldfish Crackers, they teamed up with Frank's Head, Frank's Red Hot to debut a co-branded spicy snack aptly called Goldfish Frank's Red Hot Crackers, which also sounds pretty good. And we can't really discuss mashups without mentioning condiments. And ketchup giant Heinz made headlines many times when it unveiled some new condiments. So we have tarchup, wasabioli, and hanch. <laughs> and those, <laughs> and then Heinz previously released a few like mayo chup, mayo q, mayo must, and cranch. <laughs> and they're very eye-catching to look at. The colors, I swear, they created new colors just out of these condiments. Um, and they may not have seen um, the, the these uh, the three that I mentioned previously. They they may not have uh, been as eye-catching because. This is not new for um, for Heinz, but they they had a campaign called Crowdsourced, so they got people to send them ideas to uh, to create some new flavors. And I thought that that name was was absolutely brilliant. But whether they're here to stay or they're only around for a limited time, it's undeniable that food mashups definitely blew up in uh, 2021. Um, partially due to the monotony of the lingering pandemic and consumers just seeking to try something different. And also the anticipation of trying new food mashups is a way to keep spirits high among consumers. So uh, with that, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, were there any food mashups or anything of this nature, either that Mira and I have written about in the past or that you've seen that you've thought like, wow, I have to try this? Or do you think that it's more of a marketing tactic that isn't necessarily for the day-to-day -day consumer? Uh I think I feel pretty down for that mac and cheese grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> that looks pretty good. And I can see why people would want to, um, you know, treat themselves during the pandemic. I think there's been a lot of like leniency with people's diets and people have just sort of been like, 
that looks good. I'm going to try it because we're not going on vacation this year, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, Mira, what about you? Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of mashups everywhere. And I I'm I tend to fall into the pattern of wanting to try them, actually. Most recently, uh, a week ago, I think I tried a Flamin' Hot Cheetos Mac and Cheese. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. It was actually horrid. <laughs> I did not like it. I would never have it again. But I was like, oh my God, Cheetos and Mac and Cheese. This sounds amazing. Let me try it. You know, so I think, I think there's definitely a huge consumer market for this. People do want to try these new things. But at the same time, I think that's why they're limited edition. Because it's not mm, something that you're going yeah. to keep going back for. And if you are, then I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll make it permanent. But they'll advertise it as limited edition. Mm-hmm. Um, for, the, for, for the beginning part, at least. But yeah, it's, it's really cool to see what companies are coming up with. Like the simple cereal mashup. Like that sounds, I know. <laughs> that sounds so simple, but... I would totally get that because you kind of want the craving of both and yeah. it's all in one box now and it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think these are really cool in terms of like, you know, generating a lot of hype and, you know, but I, I, I feel like they're just like a one and done kind of a thing. Like, you know, people will try it and it's not something that's like sustainable um, per se. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've tried some of these mashups, but nothing is coming to mind, but like, uh, just seeing all of this stuff that you've uh, put in your blog, Sydney, it's just really cool to see. And, um, I would definitely try that grilled mac and cheese too, like Sarah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the thing that, and I had to point out that the ones <laughs> that, um, you know, are less eye catching, they tend to be not limited time only. They tend to be more permanent things on either a menu or in stores because the the whole point of of those those eye-catching mashups is like well we know that this is kind of ridiculous so it's just a marketing tactic and it may be disgusting like you said Mira like the the Cheetos and it's so funny you bring that up because I was with a friend the other day and he he made it and it was just sitting in a, a bowl and I was like what in the world is that it was like bright orange like typical yeah. like mac and cheese looking but yeah. you knew it wasn't KD mac and cheese because it had like a twinge to it and a smell as well that I was like Mm. Yeah, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, never again. That's for sure. Yeah, no, but I see why you'd want to try it because those um, they're two like staples in the fake you know cheese world. Yeah, um, that that sound like they would be really good together. I think what I would have done if I was Cheetos is just release a normal flavored mac and cheese and then include like Cheeto dust to sprinkle over it or uh, something. That yeah. sounds really good mm-hmm. to me. Even like yeah. to add like a, a crunchiness aspect. So maybe Cheetos should hire me instead. Yeah. <laughs> At some point. At some point last summer, Kelsey's had like a Doritos um, chicken tenders. So the breading of the chicken tenders were Doritos and those were amazing. Like I went back for those and I think I I don't see them anymore, so I don't know where they went. But that for me, for example, it's kind of like what you were saying, Sydney, like you, you know, add it to the top of the mac and cheese. Like, but for this mac and cheese that I tried, it was First of all, like fluorescent red, <laughs> like that was for starters, so that didn't make it feeling at all. And it wasn't creamy in the sense of, you know, when you picture mac and cheese, you want something creamy and macaroni, soft, and that just wasn't it. But but I did buy it, right? And so did your friend, and mm-hmm. so did anyone else who likes flaming Hot Cheetos. So yeah, there's definitely people out there, like myself, who would go for those things. <laughs> Adventure, mm-hmm. I guess. 
I feel like they also inspire you to, um, you know, try new recipes as well and try out new things because anyone can kind of make a grilled mac and cheese at home. Anyone could make those Doritos crusted um, chicken tenders as well. Mm -hmm. So you try it once and then you kind of, you can take from that what you will. Um, But the allure of, you know, the macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream, for example, is like, you're never going to make that at home. (laughs) That is something you can only get at Van Leeuwen's for that one weekend. um, And and, and you can see like the allure of that. And plus, if you are a lucky one who gets to try it, you can tell everyone about it. And you have that personal experience to share with people. And that's marketing, you know, that's word of mouth marketing right there. So it it definitely, I see why they do it, um, you know, with the shock factor and everything. Um, And I also tend to uh, like you know, want to try things like that. A few weeks back, I wrote about um, Lay's, which um, combined uh, two chips. Uh, you know, they they just turned like a Doritos into a, a potato chip format, mm-hmm. uh, and that I think we all agreed sounded really mm-hmm. good too. And that I think was also limited edition as well. So these food companies definitely know what they're doing. Um, and I look forward to seeing what wacky things await in 2022. <laughs> Yeah, that I was going to bring that up too. the um, those like chip mashups, because I think we all sort of had this conversation of like, what's new here? It's not a new flavor. It's not a new, yeah. you know, chip. It's just like mixing them up. And, and uh, like Mary, you were saying with the um, mashup between those two cereals, like the Fruit Loops and the Frosted Flakes. I think it would be an easy thing to do in manufacturing. And so it's similar to the chips, um, but makes sense. And I think what we talked about in that episode was, you know, maybe you buy this like Doritos Lay's matchup and you're like, oh, I really like the taste of the Doritos flavor. All of a sudden you can't get them anymore. Now you're at the grocery store and you're buying Doritos like and Lay's plain chips or whatever. Whereas before maybe you never tried Doritos or I think it's like a smart way to kind of like cross promote um, products in their regular line and generate buzz and um, just like get those moments I think of people trying stuff on social media yeah. right that's like such a big part of people's marketing plans now um, mm-hmm. and I've really got to hand it to like condiments companies like Heinz oh because uh, oh man <laughs> that's got to be hard to make like condiments exciting like when you think a few years ago it was like what have you got like ketchup mustard and mayo like you know what I mean like how they must have been racking their brains like what do we do here to make to generate a buzz and this is so smart to do these um mashups and I think the mayo chip one is even like that's like a um that's not limited edition anymore right like I think that's part of their regular Mm -hmm. line so it's a great way for them to try out things um that then they'll they'll release as like a a product you can get all the time. And I think part of this is also like with the condiments specifically, people are used to like going and getting a burger now from like a nicer restaurant. And it's got some sort of like interesting aioli or like bacon jam or something like people want something different. They don't just want ketchup or whatever on their burger. Um, So I think they're kind of like banking on that yeah. too but yeah i think that's like some next level marketing from a condiment company uh for sure yeah. i was yeah. just thinking the same thing like there's a lot of scope in in condiments i feel like yeah. just like how you were saying sarah like you know um you go to a restaurant you have all these different concoctions and all these different types of flavors mm-hmm. and in sauces and you can really experiment with them so that's really smart of the uh, heinz to be going that way um but yeah, yeah. 
I want to see where they go from here. Like, are we going to get mashups of the mashups? Are we going to get like, oh my gosh, Tarchip Wasabi? Can't even say it, but yeah, like, are we going to get combinations of like four different condiments in one? That probably wouldn't work flavor wise, but yeah. (laughs) I also feel like food mashups, just the concept, were very inspired by consumers because we used to see a lot of like, secret menu items that were yeah. already kind of inspired by consumers like at at um you know McDonald's people would like get two things and then combine them together and then McDonald's would be like oh maybe we should actually put that on the menu for mm. a bit so mm-hmm. i feel like just the curiosity of consumers and that culture of just wanting to like create new things really creative. like inspired companies to do this as well so i mm. i i love it like people are so creative and it's so reflected in in these yeah, I was just thinking about McDonald's. Um, is this a thing like um, getting like Sprite and Fruitopia? Like people tell me that's like a Canadian thing now. And I'm like, like, I know a couple of people who get that, but it's like apparently a popular thing. And like in Toronto, I guess, mainly and like, oh, to, like to half do and that. Half? half and half. Yeah. Okay. Sprite and Fruitopia. And I was like, really? <laughs> I've I've but, seen people do it many times. Yeah, because yeah, and the, yeah, that's like the thing. original mashup. People just doing like yeah, you know this and this, like, <laughs> getting one of everything at the you know you leave consumers to their own like devices and they'll do like some some crazy stuff. Um, but that yeah, is I a once, thing. Yeah, I once tried to mash up something at Tim Hortons. It didn't go down too well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a French vanilla with like a tea and a steep tea, and I was like, yeah, no, oh, that didn't boy. work. <laughs> Uh, speaking of tea though Mira I think you have um, a tea story mm. <laughs> yeah I do great segue <laughs> <laughs> um, totally on plan t- yeah for today's podcast I wanted to talk about a new company they're called Titus is how I'm pronouncing it but I'm, I'm not sure if that's correct but it is a New York based company that makes a superfood powder for diabetic consumers so they announced the close of their seed funding round last week during which um, they raised $700,000 bringing the company's total funding to $1 million. Um, the owner of the company is uh, Hiroshi Takato and he's an entrepreneur. Uh, Tietis is backed up by promising investors that support and promote trans-Pacific startups. The money that they gathered from the seed round will help the company um, advance its production and marketing in the United States. Now, the reason he started this company is because he noticed that there is a need for convenient and nutritious food for critically ill consumers. He saw this need after um, unfortunately losing his wife to cancer, before which he acted as Uh, her caretaker while also running a tech company. So the company created a plant-based sugar-blocking superfood powder designed to help diabetic consumers manage blood sugar levels. The idea began in uh, 2017, but the company wasn't fully operational until April of 2021. The team is made up of a group of doctors and registered nutritionists. So him and his team crafted a product to target diabetic consumers who don't have enough time to cook, but wanted to consume nutritious and natural ingredients that help with carbohydrate digestion and the release of glucose. So they wanted to help um, around 122 million diabetic and pre-diabetic individuals um, work towards better prevention against the treatment of the common disease. Now, the powders include a Japanese ingredient 
known as arame. And it's a seaweed extract with two um, that inhibit two enzymes that are important in the digestion of carbohydrates. The company claims that this ingredient is clinically proven to suppress the absorption of sugar and moderate blood sugar levels and shares publications of the support on their website. But the ingredient has not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. As of now, the company has two flavors. One is matcha and the other is ginger and turmeric, both of which contain no chemical ingredients or sweeteners, but they're sold at a price of $29.99 and they can be bought online through the company's website. So I just wanted to gather your thoughts on this and what you thought about um, this product. Steep price, if you ask me, no yeah. pun intended. Um, I'm not sure how much you get out of that, but um, it's. I always like when um, food companies, especially with a specific uh, goal like this, they employ people in the medical field, uh, like doctors, as you mentioned, because it it does give it a bit of um, you know credibility in a sense. Uh, you don't just trust anyone with with food like you know an or a tea like this, especially with with the claims that they're making. Um, and although they still have to seek, um, you know. FDA approval. Um, I I think the concept is really smart, and it came from you know a need, an unmet need, as you know a lot of food startups often do. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's 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 packing a lot of good into a, a convenient product. Um, I also you know I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder how it compares to uh, other teas. But um, I really like the idea, and it seems that investors do too. I tend to be very like skeptical of these mm -hmm. types of supplements. I, so it sounds like, yeah, I agree with you, Sydney. They've got a team of doctors on board. I think that's like great. I don't think there isn't a place for them. I just always worry, um, you know, because they're not really regulated like a drug would be by a regulator like the FDA or something like that. Um, I just think there's like potential there for people to some people to think they can manage their health in an entirely, you know, like quote yeah. unquote natural way yeah. um, when really they might need something else as well. So like if you're diabetic and rely on insulin, this this isn't going to be enough to help you. And I'm not saying that that Tiatis is, is claiming that at all. I'm just saying I think sometimes it can be a little dangerous. And, um, you know, I think that their mission is really um, is really noble. And Specifically, I think for people who are, you know, pre-diabetic, like they're kind of on the cusp, I can see something like this being even more appropriate if you're trying to regulate, you know, your blood sugar levels before you kind of tip over into a, a diabetic state and actually get, um, and actually get um, diagnosed with, with diabetes and have to kind of go along with everything that comes along with that. Um, but I, yeah, I do tend to be... Um, skeptical, although they do have some kind of studies there, published studies on the effectiveness of this ingredient. So uh, I think it's just like always like a balance with natural health products and supplements yeah. like this. Um, and I think it's just like always important for consumers to, you know, talk to their doctors kind of thing and make sure things are right for them. But I think it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think I'm of the same opinion, really, in terms of um, sort of these kinds of more natural products um, and, you know, these kinds of and touting to, you know, have these health benefits and uh, having these health claims. Um, so 
I would also kind of be a little bit wary of, of this, although like, you know, Sarah said, they're not claiming that this is going to replace, you know, yeah. uh, you know, conventional medications or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder, you know, how pharmacists and like doctors, physicians have to deal with patients coming to them with a new tea. Hey, you know, can I use this or to, you know, um, supplement my medication or to replace it? So it's it's really kind of a gray area with these unregulated products mm-hmm. um, with yeah. medical and health claims. Yeah, I was going to say there's always been a disconnect between um, people who, you know, found homeopathy as a way to help them with their sicknesses or their illnesses and um, drugs and that sort of market. I think they're two very different markets, but I think in this scenario, they're not really telling you, you know, replace your medication with this tea, more Mm -hmm. like, here, if you're in a rush and, you know, you want to eat this thing and whatever, have this tea, you know, I think that's what they're trying to aim for is more like that kind of um, market. But yeah, I think it's very sticky in situations like this, where people are just, you know, maybe going to forget about their medication, and then, you know, just rely on teas, for example, to help Mm -hmm. them, which might not be such a great idea. But I I don't know. Um, But it's interesting how the company is marketing itself i think that's what intrigued me here is like they have studies that back them up and they you know they show you the stories of people and like their website is very informative so it's a good place to explore what the product is exactly but also it's very simple to use you kind of just um you can either you know get a subscription where it ships to you once a month or you can buy um a product one-time purchase and then you know you just take a teaspoon of it you mix it with hot water you can add milk and drink it so it's a very simple kind of product that is you know backed up by um doctors and nutritionists and things like that yeah one thing i will say is i think it's great that they're not packing in any artificial sweeteners i think like yeah historically products focused on uh, targeting diabetics have been like here's this you know, artificial sweetener molecule we've come up with, it's not going to raise your blood sugar, but also like, I don't know, do you want to be consuming that all the time? Like there's, it's questionable, right? And so um, I think I like that they didn't try and make this uh, something that it doesn't need to be, I guess. They're just focusing in on this, like one ingredient can block the absorption of of sugars from food and um, without adding a bunch of like other things that maybe don't need to be in there. I think like they have that going for them. And I think that's sort of like the trend in general right now with like food products, right? People aren't really looking for weird things that they can't pronounce. And that's been the last, you know, few years for sure. So I think... um, that's something that they did right for sure in, in developing these products. All right, and that is the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X-Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. 
Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.